0: Before we get started, I want to point out that these conversations took place over the span of a few months and are not necessarily presented in the order they were recorded. Therefore we may touch on some, but not all, current events. In addition, when we say women, we mean all women. Although our dialogue often generalizes women into one social group with shared experiences, we want to specifically express our support for women in minorities of race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, etc., and for those using their voices for positive change. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Sarah DeForest. And I'm Victoria Banks. This is The Table, a podcast by and about women in the entertainment industry.
1: Welcome to Episode 9, when we have a conversation with recording artist Maggie Rose.
0: So pull up a chair and get nice and comfy, because everyone deserves a seat at The, the, the Table. Table. Do what you want, work what you got, say what you think and don't let them stop you. Stop you. Don't, don't let them stop Okay, 2020 is the year of self-sufficiency. We are really excited to have Maggie Rose here with us virtually. Um, thank you for joining us tonight.
2: Thanks for having me. And yes, you're right. Self-sufficiency is, is the name of the game.
0: <laughs> I think that was... We were just talking about that before we started rolling and i think it's a perfect place to start for you as an artist and a writer and a creative because to me you've always felt so do it all yourself or find the people who see the vision to help you and you never really played the game of okay i have to fit myself to this because that's what i'm told works or that's what i'm told is gonna hit so Usually we do a little bio at the start, but I'm wondering if you could tell us yourself kind of the timeline of how you got where you are because you have such an incredibly diverse and long um, journey that has gotten you to this point and to these new songs and all of these things. So from, from your mouth and your mind, what are the big things that you want people to know about you and, and your career?
2: Well, I think that your descriptors of diverse and long are accurate. <laughs> I moved here in January of 2008. I was a 19-year-old who just cut short my time at Clemson. I was in the middle of my sophomore year. And I met uh, Tommy Mottola, who still is a very influential mogul in the music industry. But you know, that was right around the time that he was just had uh, just recently departed from Sony, and he was the liaison between a lot of the people that I worked with when I initially moved here. So that definitely gave me the boost I needed to make such a big decision, like leaving college, because with his contacts, I had a uh, reason to convince my parents that I should abandon <laughs> my college education and their <laughs> investment that they had made in me thus far. But I think... You know, earlier you said I've never had to play the game of fitting someone else's mold. And uh, I think because I had to do that for the first couple of years is why I live my life and make my art the way I do now, because mm-hmm. I've seen what the alternative is. And uh, there's so many valuable years that I had when I was working my music at Country Radio a lot of hard-learned lessons and some great experiences as well. But I think, you know, change the whole thing as I talked to you today, just turned two years old, and that was a really big turning point for me. So even almost a decade into my time here in Nashville, I feel like I was having the biggest growth that far along. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because I had decided that this is how I wanted to make things happen. And it's how I really enjoyed doing it on my own terms with the people that I want to make it with. And I think it yields really good results for me personally because I feel like I've just totally fallen in love with music all over again in recent years.
0: And you you started... I I remember reading that you started at like 16 playing in, what is it, a Springsteen cover band in DC (laughs) and Maryland. And I love that. It immediately took me back to how I started, which was the only girl in the music scene of my tiny little Northern California town, pretty much. I mean, there were a couple others, but it always seemed that I if I saw another girl I was like oh my god it was like a unicorn I was like hey girl (laughs) what's up you know and it 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 was also simultaneously so funny because uh, at least in California they like wouldn't even let me in the venue to go to the bathroom they're like if you're not 21 you got to get on stage and get out oh yeah So it was a very weird thing what was that like for you starting out so young and um at least from my experience I was one of the only girls and was that the case for you and how did that feel to you how did you kind of navigate without as many peers around you
2: yes I definitely felt like I didn't have another person to relate to especially a 16 year old woman young woman and I was playing for the Jersey Shore bar crowd when I had (laughs) basically up until that point only had an experience as a Catholic schoolgirl singing in Catholic masses which if you've witnessed one they're pretty demure occasions. Um, (laughs) So it was a big departure for me, and I learned so much from the B Street Band, and they're still one of the hardest-working bands I've ever encountered. There was a big age difference between myself and those guys, and they were veterans, and running Mm -hmm. their own sound, lugging their own gear, booking their own shows. So the respect that I have for them now, in hindsight, is even more so than what I realized I was a part of at the time. Um, But... I do think that I needed that period of discomfort and being sort of the lone wolf where I didn't have any friends to write songs with. Even at Clemson, I had to go to my car and carry a recording device so I could drive around the town and write some ideas Mm -hmm. because I felt too vulnerable to even do that with my friends in college, even though I was studying music. So. I think it's just that reassociation association with your identity and who you are and being comfortable in your uniqueness but when you're 16 it's hard to realize that and i think that yeah. i may have um delayed the process a little bit longer than i should have which is why moving to nashville was so paramount to me because it's baptism mm-hmm. by fire you move here yeah and all yeah. of a sudden you're not the only one and you're surrounded by the best songwriters the best musicians uh you know they could be serving you your lunch and they're better than you know anyone that was from your
1: hometown yeah did you know anyone here when you moved here or was it pretty much just cold turkey I
2: didn't know anyone personally I had like what Tommy Matola had set up for me I had the producer that I was going to work with I had some really Experience people who were in the publishing world. And I had a good team around me to at least jettison me to... You know, I was in the Nashville Music Row system really quick mm-hmm. and signed to major label deals and uh, told that after I had recorded an original song that I loved that we were going to pivot and I was going to cover a Kings of Leon song first and then I would get to do what I wanted to do, which is just... <laughs> The token <laughs> phrase that I think every green artist just gobbles up is do mm-hmm. this and then you'll get to do what you want to do. And then you keep right. doing that for years and years and realize what a fool mm-hmm. you were to yeah. buy that. And mm-hmm. I don't see myself as a victim by any means. I had an like an incredible opportunity to move here. But there was some serious there was some serious infrastructure that was built around me at a very early stage in my creative process when I think every artist should get to know who they are and what they want to be about before they start producing music and and releasing. You know, I kind of had Mm -hmm. to grow up a little bit in the spotlight. There wasn't that insulation period where I felt like I was asking those questions that every artist needs to ask. And then that led to a rebranding that came a few years into my career where I started going by Maggie Rose because I needed to have a fresh start and Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know it wasn't just I wanted to cut my hair off and like have a new image it was a I want to liberate myself from maybe some premature moves that I made when I was too young to really honor those decisions and Mm -hmm. you know we all make compromise if you're a logical person, but I, I thought that I deserved and needed to have a fresh start if I was going to keep doing this with the passion and vigor that I want to do anything in my life with.
0: Absolutely. I As you were talking, I thought of something you mentioned earlier that I, I kind of want to circle back to real quickly. Um, you spoke about finding your voice and um, and then now, kind of breaking out and having this time where you needed to re- redo everything and kind of have a fresh start. Um, and in finding your voice in, I think, the experience of pretty much everyone we've talked to, both on this podcast, and otherwise, there's a, a point of you you absorb power and the will to like push yourself over the edge of that change. Um, often from people around you. Were there any women around you or people, period, that really helped you find your voice or even people you didn't know, maybe artists or writers or people in the industry that you looked up to that you were like, okay, I see how they did that and I think I can do that too.
2: Yes, to all of those questions. I don't think it's a coincidence that I have had... Two women in my band for years and Sarah Tomek is my drummer and band leader and she has been with me through all the tra- all the transitions of uh, going by Maggie Rose and then breaking away from country radio and becoming an independent artist and change the whole thing so she's been such a confidant for me and she's also in a leadership position with my whole I'm, I'm an independent unit and I have her advancing all the shows and she's assuming the tour manager position and being a badass drummer and also being delicate with the dynamic of our band because I have I'm married to Austin who you know Mm -hmm. and he manages me with Narvel Blackstock at Starstruck Sarah and Brother Love are married Alex uh, and Kim Page Alex of Them Vibes are dating and she does all my like video content and helps manage them vibes. And then now my keyboard player and Kyle Lewis are dating. So we're just a big, happy damn family. (laughs) And it's just, you know, we're marriages and serious relationships. So we're kind of like, all right, well we're sort of in it now we're invested Mm -hmm. with all of each other. So there's a dynamic there that I think not to be biased, but it really is a woman's touch sometimes to keep that balance mm-hmm. together. And she's so perceptive and sensitive and has witnessed so many of my successes and triumphs, but also struggles. And she was always a bulldog for me when I did have, you know, some people on the industry side trying to push me in a direction that she could see I didn't want to go. And she always helped me amplify those points of view and did it sometimes to her detriment because, you know, her loyalty was to me and there was a whole organization that was pushing everything that we were doing. So she could have gone with the organization over me and it ended up being that we kept on doing this together regardless of what was our, our whole packaging. Yeah. Um, but she's been amazing. Laura Stroud was someone that Tommy Mottola introduced me to right off the bat. And she was a big publisher for the Dixie Chicks. And it's no coincidence that almost 13 years later, she's still in my life because she was such a guide for me when I first moved here and helping me meet new songwriters and just telling me how to pronounce Demumbrian and, and helping me find a place to live and decorate my house and really making me feel a part of the community when I was scared and lonely. And the wealth of female artists that are in this town is so tremendous. And I love people like Margot Price and Brandy Carlisle and Mickey Guyton. And it's it, there's too many to name. And we have such a great little infrastructure and community here but it is always in the back of my mind that I have these people to rely upon and that's invaluable because when you're doing it by yourself and the politics are skewed the way they are against women Mm
1: -hmm.
2: in this town I'm not even going to say country because that's not really my genre Mm -hmm. but I still have to watch and see those inequities and it's just
1: Bullshit. yeah and you're right i mean it's key having those people around you who can reflect back what you're saying and what you're thinking and like they can they can pick that pull that out of you and help you it, it's almost like it helps you know yourself more having those people around you and and especially in an industry where you are the product, like mm-hmm. you are the commodity. So there's a you that's like an entity, which is not necessarily you, right? <laughs> right? It's like a subs- It's a subset of who you are. right? And trying to figure out what that subset is gonna be and how you're gonna present that to the world and how it can still feel authentic to you is really hard to navigate sometimes. And um, especially when you just have so many business interests pulling at it in different ways.
2: Absolutely don't we all want to be known as the multifaceted people that we are? Mm-hmm. So it became daunting to me to to live in this format where one song is your life for potentially 60 weeks and you have this other body of work and all I'm talking about is I Ain't Your Mama or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can love that song, but I felt like I was neglecting so many other sides of my personality and my musicality uh, because of the fact that i was a slave to the performance of a song at radio Mm -hmm. which to me now just feels so like insignificant hey i would love a number one hit and i'm not saying that like that's not something to strive for but i certainly don't want it to be at the cost that I'd have to forsake so many of these other projects that I'm excited about and invested in and the things I've learned about myself because of the pursuit of those projects.
0: Absolutely. And you yeah. you brought up Change the Whole Thing, and I love that song and love that whole record. And um, Thank you. I want to talk about that because that was, like you said, two years ago pretty much to the day. And we spoken about all these incredible women and I'm really curious to know, in addition to how that came together and how you felt finally bring being able to present that more authentic side of you to the world, I'm also curious to know if you think much about how you influence and impact rising women in the industry. Because for me personally, I was going through all this stuff, getting ready for this interview. And I got so many wonderful feelings because that record uh, came out right after I had moved to town officially. And I was sitting, sitting in an office with Christina Wiltshire. And she was at the time with Seagale And we were talking about it. She had a big poster of you and the record behind her and we had gotten into a conversation about women in entertainment and spoke about you for a very long time and what you were doing with this record and how proud she was of you for it. And then for me, it really inspired me to have similar conversations and I ended up writing a song about all the things that I'd heard people tell me they did or didn't like about me and they were the same thing. And then I came back and I played it for Christina maybe a couple months later and she loved it and it gave me so much confidence and that song did a lot for me in my career and it all came from a discussion with a woman about being women in the industry, about you specifically owning who you are. And I I can't imagine how you really Um, think about the ripple effect you have sometimes but I have such a special place in my heart for you in that record and I'm curious to know about your experience making that and then how much you do or don't think about your influence in those terms
2: first of all thank you so much for saying that that's really the not to sound Pollyanna about it because I think that it could easily be heard this way but that's the only reason like I love making records, and I love connecting with people, and I think that's been, other than just the tragedy of the pandemic, the hardest part is the lack of Mm -hmm. human interaction and taking that to the streets and being able to play and connect with artists like yourself and keeping that rapport going, like... Just what you guys are doing is everything. Being overly communicative during this time and letting other artists and people know that they're not alone is music. That's that's the best vehicle for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try and be very intentional about what I'm putting out there. I can never control how what I put out there will be perceived, and you also can't become handicapped by that or too inhibited. Mm-hmm. But I think that anyone who doesn't take that into account has totally missed the point. You're, you're sending a love letter or, or whatever to the world, and when you release music, it's no longer your own. And I firmly believe that. I think that that's one of the reasons that it's so hard to just tweak that last mix or whatever, <laughs> because you're handing it over. So it belongs to everybody else. And I also don't like to when I'm writing. I like to weave in as much of my personal experience as I can, but I try to leave it enough so that it's open-ended to your interpretation, where I'm not isolating the listener, and it can mean something to every boy and girl who hears it and, and have that resonate with them. So it's super important. And, and with Change Little Thing, the origin of that project I think because I had nothing to lose at that point, I was just out of um, kind of a a publishing deal situation that I was ready to get out of, and I was in in no man's land. I, I hadn't released a song to country radio in years, and I was very much realizing that I was more of a soul singer than anything. And I had this great band and I was managed at Starstruck where they had these state-of-the-art studios. So let's just go in and cut two songs completely live, no overdubs. Let's not like comp it all together. Let's just everyone in the same room, no isolation booths, make some noise and see how it goes. And that that was it. We never looked back. So we recorded three songs that first day and this was started in July of 2017 and it was smooth uh just getting by and pull you through on the first day so it was a pretty magical impact that it made and the camaraderie in the room and just the way that it sounded Bobby Holland produced it was just all we needed to decide that we're just gonna make this project because we are and it's going to transcend genre and we're going to do what each song deserves but we also are going to be doing it in a live format unlike we've ever done before so there's some room for forgiveness and i i wanted to abandon the way that i had done things in the past and i feel like some some of my favorite moments on that record are are the so-called imperfections i guess Mm -hmm. that i would have totally manicured on previous works.
0: Hmm. You kind of did a similar thing almost. It feels like your trajectory with this current project, Quarantine 45, um, which is really beautiful. You just released 2020 and Only Human. Mm. And it feels almost like that past record, um, changed the whole thing came from like you said, this point of I have nothing to lose. And did it feel similar in the way of like, I'm stuck in this house, in this space with not a lot to do and my entire year's plans are thrown out the window and I have nothing to lose. So we're gonna make these songs and do them the best we can and put them out into the world. Did it feel similar in inspiration?
2: Yes, it was definitely that point in this pandemic where I I already have a full album in the can. I recorded it. Mm over the last year down at Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals and it's really cool throwback record that I did with Ben Tanner from Alabama Shake so that was I was probably going to put it out in September and now September's over and those plans have all changed and I was going to tour on that so I was confronted with the heartbreak of and this, whenever I say the heartbreak that I'm dealing with my personal projects, that goes without saying what the world is feeling on a global scale. Yeah. So we can just always acknowledge that. But I didn't want to release what I felt like was this funky, kind of joyful, a little sassy record during a time where I just didn't feel like it was an appropriate tone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My perspective on that is changing because I think people need music and... I don't really know what it's gonna look like. I can't control those things, so I'll put the music out. But with 2020 and I'm Only Human, those were super relevant, written in, you know, Only Human was written in Alex Haddad's house of them vibes in a room where we've all rehearsed and been drinking and laughing and all of us together smashed in there. And then cut to this day where it's like, The tornadoes just ripped through East Nashville. We've just canceled all of our shows for the unforeseeable future. And our bars are closed that we were going to go to after our rehearsals. And we wrote Only Human. And it was that catalyst that got me back in the game a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think we just had to sort of rip that Band-Aid off and write. And when I say we, I'm talking Sarah Tomek, my drummer, Brother Love, and... Alex, and we all live in the same square mile in East Nashville. So we were quarantined together. Let's make some music.
1: So ha- have you been able to maintain a level of creativity through the pandemic and the lockdown and all of that? I mean, obviously, you've been writing some material. How has that felt in comparison to your usual pace of of creativity and producing material?
2: Oh, it's been totally breakneck contrast to what pace we were at before and it's made me examine the rate at which I was moving before all of this I think that the standards that we all were putting on ourselves and the expectations and pressure were absurd and I think that everyone's going to recalibrate Mm -hmm. a little bit I hope those who are using this time for some introspection.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I read an article actually about that this morning saying that we need to quit whining about when are things going to go back to normal because normal was not normal. Normal was not something we can maintain and it was not Mm -hmm. something healthy and it shouldn't go back to normal. (laughs) Right,
2: yeah, absolutely. And I think the creativity that's come from some of the stillness has been louder than anything I've dealt with before Mm -hmm. and it's not I think sometimes people confuse creativity with being prolific and or or like producing an abundance of music Mm -hmm. but I think that it's also the quality and and how deep are you really digging to get that right lyric and I have this piano sitting in my room that wasn't It's like this old crappy electric piano that I had up in my shed. And then halfway through April, I'm just like, all right, if I'm not gonna learn to play piano now, I'm never going to. So I got that out of my shed and we had only human written and I started to write after plunking away on it and probably annoying the hell out of my husband. I got to a place where I felt comfortable with these chords and I came up with a chorus for 2020 and it just opened this whole new voicing. Playing yeah, piano and hearing my voice was weird, where maybe this progression on guitar would have seemed contrived, but for some reason, when you have a piano in front of you, all of a sudden, that's so natural. So it was just exciting to, you know, we started this conversation by saying self-sufficiency is the theme of 2020. That's an example of making the best of this time and trying to unlock spots that I used to just be like, I don't have time for that Mm -hmm. because I'm so busy. I don't have time to read that book or, or educate myself on this or learn piano because there's always something that was more pressing. Mm -hmm. And when you have idle time to just think about how you can improve yourself or deepen your love of music or whatever, and, and you don't take that opportunity, then you're just shortchanging yourself and everybody.
0: Yeah.
1: I hope we can maintain some of that moving forward. And I hope we can allow ourselves time for that introspection because, you know, it seems like in the best of all worlds, we would be able to combine that with, supporting the record, doing the promotion, touring, there there should be seasons of that mixed in. And I know a lot of the times, you know, historically, bands or artists have sort of shut themselves away to mm-hmm. write a record, like, go be in a castle in yeah. Italy for Funny two there. months or something. Yeah, so yeah. Was- <laughs> and, so, and there's a reason for that, because it, you need that quiet, like you said, to find the, the important things to say. And this pandemic has has been a bit of a gift that way because I think some of the most poignant uh, songs are about relationship and sometimes you don't truly understand what what something means what the importance of that thing is until it's taken away like you don't know what you got till it's gone right all of a sudden it's gone and now you really get to think about what does that mean and what do I want to say about that
2: right And I don't think it's a coincidence either that, like, our country is at this point where racial tensions are high and people are demanding Mm -hmm. change. It's Mm -hmm. like we've had this time to finally just assess what the hell is going on around us. Yeah. And I, I think that in so many ways, I don't even know where to begin, but... One thing that we need to make sure we come out of this is more empathic for the plight of other people. Mm-hmm. And if that means a, a entire group or race that's being demeaned or people who aren't surviving this virus physically, then like there's we have to make room in our hearts for all of that. And I think that, maybe we were all just going so fast before that we were
1: mm-hmm. okay
2: with the status quo. Like you said, yeah. it wasn't normal before. I don't want to return to that. I want to move on to whatever the new normal should be.
1: Yeah, well, and I think in in general, the 40-hour work week is almost by design created to uphold the status quo because yeah. it doesn't give people time to stop and question Society. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're so busy getting from one day to the next, and then you have two days on the weekend to recover. And by the time you're almost ready, it starts again. And, right. And so, th- I think it's no coincidence that all of this sort of social unrest and change has really been precipitated by by the pandemic. When there are so many people out of work, so many people locked down without the social life, without the distractions, and right. Um. So, in a
0: in a way, there are gifts in it for sure. Yeah. That that um. Yeah brings me to a point that I think we've touched on with a couple other guests and I know we've all probably had conversations about it but um the songwriter and musician and creative communities are so one of my favorite things is that we are so open and willing and craving of this constant personal betterment we always want to be better and change and find out things about ourselves that we didn't know and work on things so we can open up space for what's next and i love that i have so many songwriter friends where whether it's we joke about like um everyone loving all the personality tests like Vic and i are both enneagram threes i don't know if you know your number but like you know i don't i I need to i i i do hear it that
2: a lot i don't know if I'm like inadvertently avoiding it
0: because I, I haven't taken the test. It's, and it's so interesting that that whole thing and I think it's just on the surface kind of like funny that we all like love that stuff so much. But right. I it, once quarantine started, I found myself actually like Victoria was saying with the 40-hour work week, I found myself having actual time to... To say, okay, what are traits about myself that I like and don't like? And how can I dig deep on things? And how can I maybe change some of the things that I want to change in my life for the better and I got the chance to do that to read books I wanted to read and discover things and write by myself which I hadn't been doing too often at that time and all these things and all of my friends too were like you know I realized this is an issue for me or I this is a pattern that I took from me from my family that I really don't want to bring into my relationship and all of these things and I'm so proud of people in general and specifically the creative communities for taking this time and really using it um for all its worth even in the craziness did you find yourself going through some of those personal introspective moments and and having kind of a a change within your own personal self regardless of your career
2: yes and you know you're asking me earlier about powerful women and there's so many but one of them is my publisher Katie Fagan and every time I talk to her she's basically I can tell that she's been on zoom calls with other writers where she's just having to be a therapist Mm -hmm. essentially and I'm answering your question with her advice but she's she's just been there to kind of assure us that it's okay to be totally unmotivated right now and it's okay as long as you're listening to yourself and and not realizing that every day you have to go learn how to play piano or read the book or do yoga and do these home workouts like there are days where you can just allow it to really suck Mm -hmm. and I think that it's interesting for someone who's essentially our boss at prescription to be giving us permission because I think She knows how driven we all are and that you can start to put this immense pressure on yourself when the tools aren't there right now Mm -hmm. to keep it up at that rate. And I I do think that just that alone and acknowledging that I can be really upset right now and that's fine, but how will I react to that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, working with my husband and living with him is such a blessing in one way because we have this opportunity to always be creative and that's allowed us to keep the pace up but sometimes we also need to just realize like when are we when are we hitting that threshold of like how much this should consume our our every conversation and yes we love it and it's music and we share it together but just little patterns that I think we need to be cognizant of and, and kind of break and uh, get out of bed and like go for a walk and don't stew and look at Instagram in the morning every day. Mm-hmm. Like just little tiny things that I was doing that I realize aren't benefiting me. They aren't getting my head right or starting me off in the direction that's going to yield a productive or at least enjoyable day.
0: Yeah, that... That um, brings us to a really interesting point that I wanted to talk about because you have such an interesting deal between prescription and Seagale. And um, I love both of the people at those teams. I have friends with prescriptions and friends with prescription and friends with Seagale. And I've gotten to see those teams work and be so um, supportive of their writers and artists. But Seagale is for anyone who's not in the Nashville world is very country and prescription is super pop. And um, I think a lot of people think of it as like L.A. style pop in Nashville, which is why they were so groundbreaking. Um, But you going back to what we were talking about earlier, just being genre bending and not feeling like you need to put yourself in a specific box. I feel like you do what feels Natural, and you trust that it will find a place. Um, how did you come to be in that position between two seemingly vast, vastly different spaces and all coming together? And what is it like to, to write between that and, and have that experience?
2: You're correct in saying that they're two of the most different from each other <laughs> publishing companies in town. Yeah. Um, but it goes back to, you know, yeah, they both have their reputations, they're stellar companies, one being more country, one being more pop or sync driven, but it was the individuals that I was working with that really made me fall in love with both companies. Christina Wiltshire, your friend, and Katie Fagan. I had been talking to Katie for like over a year before we figured that out, and We wanted to create an atmosphere in which I could write whatever and feel that I had all the effective people to get the songs placed. And I didn't, there was something that I felt about the women of country that I was still going to write for them or write with them in mind or be someone on Music Row who is a woman writing in that space, in that realm at Seagill. And they both are were super willing to work together. And it's an opportunity for them to forge a relationship that didn't really exist before. And uh, I, I feel like I, I have free reign to do whatever it is that I want to do when I sit down to write. And they're really strategic about diversifying my schedule and making sure that I have a right that's focused on what a more traditional country song would be. And I care about the future of country music, but I also want to do what I want to do. <laughs> so I think that's why I, I wanted to have a custom publishing experience like that. Mm-hmm. And it's been awesome. And, you know, Christina went to Warner shortly after I signed, which was an awesome opportunity. And I love her. But I work with JD and he's a boss and so sweet and easy to talk to and uh, great at brainstorming. And then, you know, Katie and I have such a great relationship. And it's a bunch of women at Prescription it's Katie and Leah and Rachel and a lot of women writers. And I'm learning a lot from that experience too because it's not something that we have an abundance of in Nashville when it comes to that type of creator that you would find a prescription.
1: So you are, you're not afraid to speak out in support of women. Um, you started the, the hashtag tomato Tuesday after tomato gate, um, to, to push back and try to support other female artists. And, um, you partnered with, liz rose and Land lakes to rewrite old mcdonald for a national ad campaign that um highlighting female farmers for women's equality day in 2018
2: that was so much fun
1: yeah that's that's awesome what a great idea what a great project people
2: are always like oh did they pay you in butter?" i'm like, <laughs> like I'm no, like,
1: no. <laughs> yeah i'd take butter So have you always been outspoken about female-based causes? Is that something that has evolved for you? What What's behind that for you?
2: I well, I have two sisters. Not that that makes me any more empathic to women, but I feel like that really came in tandem with me becoming more independent and not having. the responsibility of feeling like I'm letting people down if I deviate from what you're supposed to do. And I remember there are things I wanted to do with the LGBTQ community early on that I was dissuaded from doing. And it wasn't like a gentle, don't do that. It, or, or like, maybe you should not do that. It was like a straight up, don't do that because that's not what we do. And Country. This was like 2013, which is, hmm. in my opinion, far too recent.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And just little things like that where I felt like I was censoring myself without someone like being mean. You just start to revert and create these habits. And I realized how good it feels to just not have to hold that pose all the time and how exhausting it was. And the world that I want to live in, Is actually way closer within reach if if you do something about creating it to be that way and putting it out there so I I think that it's an incontrovertible fact that women aren't getting airplay that they deserve in this town and it's just that's not even an opinion so Mm -hmm. if you can't just say that that's one thing and the ACMs with Mickey Guyton, everyone saying like, she made history. Like hell yeah, she did. But it should shouldn't that have happened so long ago?
1: Fifty five years
2: ago. Yeah. <laughs> so and like I, she's a friend of mine, and we've had many, many long discussions about just the frustrations she's dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um. And I just feel like we're super interesting and smart And people should be paying attention, damn it Because it's so much more exciting And I've been going through all these Ruth Bader Ginsburg quotes lately And it's really simple stuff, you know She, she's, she just wanted equality for everybody mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's not rocket science at all so I, th- I think that when you ask, like, you're okay with speaking out for women, mm-hmm. it's like we have to right mm-hmm. now. It's annoying mm-hmm. to some, and maybe it's feeling like preachy times, but I think that all the causes should be spoken to.
0: Absolutely. yeah. I love that you brought up the LGBTQ plus community and um mickey mickey brought it up really beautifully in in our interview with her she was speaking about um how women and people in general especially in this industry need to come together like the way black women support each other and support everybody um and she specifically called out the lgbtq community and i think we're seeing that really heightened in this time when um the black Lives Lives Matter protests really started to kick up and gain national attention again. I remember seeing a lot of my peers um, posting and we would have conversations about how much the industry um, was saying be careful how much you show support and the line that you walk because you don't want to alienate your base and honestly I could not care less if I lose followers and I think I um, the, the more we have to deal with this, the m- I'm seeing so much pushback and I'm so proud of our community for really saying enough is enough and this should have happened a long time ago, but better late than never. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful thing to, to call out, just period. That's something that we are very excited to talk about, but not everyone is willing to discuss it um, so publicly but it's
2: it's exactly what you just said it's the be careful Mm -hmm. and i i've had that phrase said to me by people that i love that are Mm well-meaning same for my entire career be careful of blah 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 be careful of showing too much skin you should show more skin be careful you should like hang out and become friends with this program director or, like, be careful of what you say around this person. Mm-hmm. And, like, you you start to erode at your sense of self when you're just being so careful all the time. Yeah. And I, I think that, like, if we're all careful, then no one's going to be protected.
0: Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a weird way to put it, but it's, like...
0: Very yeah. true, though. And it's quite ironic that everyone speaks so highly of art as it can change the world and it can change minds and bring people together but anytime an artist or a singer etc speaks out and stands up for what they believe in and says something possibly a little controversial it's keep your mouth shut and do what you're supposed to do just go sing a song Uh, shut (laughs) shut up and sing I hate that like you can't have it both ways you can't say how much it changes lives and brings people together and then say that that artists don't get to speak their minds.
2: My friend's a chef and someone, uh, Gerard Kraft, he has posteria here in Nashville. You guys all need to eat it. But someone said like, shut up and cook. And I'm like, this is the equivalent of shut up and saying We are people who tour all over the world. We work with people of all walks of life. We cook for and perform for people. And we're Americans. Why would we be ineligible to Talk about the world that we're seeing around us, people who are being affected, our business, our tours being canceled, uh, writing music, communicating to a pretty broken community out there, both physically and emotionally. And I, I just feel like we should be, everything needs to be less taboo. It just needs to be okay to dissent and not have everyone
0: freak mm-hmm. out. And be okay to
1: be wrong. And it should be our responsibility to yeah. speak out, to dissent. To I mean, that's that's our job as artists, to rock the boat. We're right. supposed to pave the road when people don't even know the road's there. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that that's that's our and, job. And do
2: it with love and compassion. Mm-hmm. And you're not disagreeing to be a contrarian. You're you're speaking what your truth is. Did you guys see the Tyler Childers uh, message that he put out on Friday? He just put this album out and he spoke so beautifully about how people, his fan base in particular, because he's a Kentucky boy and he's so awesome, but he's got a a middle America, big white fan Mm -hmm. base. And Mm -hmm. he essentially said, stop being so taken aback by Black Lives Matter and put all these scenarios into a frame that a Kentuckian would really understand. Mm -hmm. And and, And he's just, first of all, insanely smart, and I was already such a huge fan of his artistry, but he eloquently had to put this in terms that people would understand. And this is specifically just those people who cannot see outside of their own purview they cannot understand the plight of other people and he did it with such compassion and empathy and i really haven't paid attention to what people have responded uh, to his message with because i felt like to me it was such a beautifully packaged message i don't really care about how it was received by others and I think it's worth a watch and and it's commendable, but it's also just the way that I receive that and I don't need to go back and get validated by how others received it. And I think we all need to just think for ourselves and, and listen.
0: Listening is a big thing. I think that's a, a beautiful point to make and it's... Um... Put in a context that you're right is, is easy to understand if maybe you don't understand um, it the way it's being presented by the media. It makes me think of the way artists can help change minds and open up points of view. Um, that reminds me of I saw an interview uh, with the creators of Modern Family, and they were speaking about the messages that they got from, you know, middle America. Once it aired and they were speaking specifically about uh, the first time they had the two the the gay couple kiss on screen and how they made it just a background it wasn't like a we are zooming in on this shot and this is all this scene is about it was a family thing and everyone's talking then in the background they give each other a kiss and and it's very sweet and very like a married couple and it's very normal um, as it is in real life and they spoke about a fan who reached out and said I don't know if I have this exactly right but they said you know I, I watch that with my family every night and my parents weren't very supportive. I've never been able to have a conversation about um, that with my family before. And my parents said that it was lovely and then it helped them understand that um, it's just like every other marriage or relationship. And to me, that is the beauty of an artist instead of shut up and sing or shut up and cook or whatever it is, that's the beauty of us speaking out is if someone loves us and 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 loves our art then maybe we could cause them to take a second look and that could spur on a whole other slew of ripple effects you don't even know about um i love that you brought that up
2: and it's just a beautiful example of how it was integrated into the show but not the forefront of it i think euphoria does that yeah. really well i don't know if you guys watch that it's not for your children
0: <laughs> not family children. oriented <laughs>
2: But there's all these really complicated characters who have some signifying traits. They're transgender or like Mm -hmm. one girl is a a cam girl. Um, (laughs) Not encouraging anyone to do that. But it's like that's almost secondary to what their Mm -hmm. story is. It is secondary. And I think it's little works of art like that that are just subtle gestures. There's room for everybody. And the least interesting thing about me, and I think you've heard a lot of women say this, is that I am a woman.
1: Yeah.
2: Or that, you know, like, that's just how I came out. And there's other things like that that I feel like we need to accept about people that have nothing to do with our relationships Mm -hmm. with them. You
0: know, we're not boring. We're all different,
2: which is awesome. That makes it way more exciting to be here
0: (laughs) on Earth. Exactly. Well... I have um, one more question before we get to the rapid fire, which is something we do at the end of every episode. Um, but is is there anything else that you feel you wanna talk about or bring up anything coming up, anything personally, anything that you're just like, wow, I maybe haven't had a platform to speak on this or tell the story or talk about this and I'd I'd like to share it.
2: Well, I mean, with everything we're talking about, with inclusiveness, I did a tribute to Bill Withers because he passed away early on, um, like, beginning of April. And I wanted to cover live at Carnegie Hall because it's one of my favorite live albums ever. And then when all the protests started happening and that discussion began, it became so evident to me that I needed to feature friends of mine who were from the black community. And we put together this awesome tribute show that's going to be out there for the indefinite future. And I had Devin Gilfillian and Will Morell, Wendy Moten, and Joy Lottikin, all perform with my band, that album from top to bottom. So I want to encourage people to watch it. It's, it's, his music is so healing. And it was nice to do something that was in promotion of an artist that I love and not like, here's my new single, but you know, we all have to do that. And that's, it's fun and I'm excited to get my music out there, but that was one of my favorite things that I've been able to safely do since this all began. And we have the Equity Alliance that it benefits and the Good Life Fund, which is something that Devin Gilfillian has been promoting and it just helps with voter mobilization of black and brown communities and Equity Alliance helps with education of minorities in investing in equity and, and helping, you know, lift up communities that need to be lifted up. So I want people to watch that. Hopefully it'll make you smile. And of course I have this album that I've already finished. <laughs> that's going to come out in 2021. Damn it. Yeah. And I
1: can't wait to hear
2: that. Nothing's going to stop me. And uh, we're going to be working on the next
1: record already. So
2: it's like having money in your pocket. It's burning a hole. I'm ready to get it out there.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine having an album in the can and then just having to sit on it and wait. That's just that's it's so hard. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It has, to be, it has to be the right time for it. And sometimes you just have to be flexible and like you said, pivot. You Absolutely. Know? <laughs> and it's,
2: it, I'm excited. I, I feel like my connection with people online has totally evolved since this began because it's my lifeline so I've I've realized just how many wonderful people are out there that you know aren't able to make it to the shows that we were having before there's just so many wonderful people who are supporting what I'm doing and artists like myself are doing in a time that's really hard so we appreciate people listening and, and you guys having these conversations with all these artists and creators. I think it's such a such a necessity right now.
0: We appreciate you putting that out in the world and and lifting up those voices. I, I got to watch a lot of that tribute earlier today and also a good portion of your digital release show, which was awesome.
2: That was so fun. Mm-hmm. It felt like we were sort of normal for a second. We all got a COVID test and then got on a tour bus and we were like, Oh, is is it, is it back again? And then we got home and everything was the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, everyone should absolutely go, go listen and um, support those causes. If you can, we'll, we'll include links to all of that um, in, in this episode. Um, but it, was truly incredible and absolutely put a smile on my face um
2: thank you thanks for watching
1: of
0: course um so I think this is a great place to do our little rapid fire yes okay
1: I'm excited okay so question number one of our rapid fire questions is there a specific creative that you're particularly into right now I'm
2: really into the sopranos right now is that an answer yeah even though, it's, even though it started in the 90s, I'm around the house and I'm just talking about this decades old show and Austin's like, okay, that was a great show 20 years ago. I'm like all in on Tony <laughs> Soprano right now. All right. Um, your favorite trend? Masks. I have a Dolly Parton mask and a vote mask, tie dye masks. I have a different one for every day.
1: Yeah. I think we kind of just have to get used to that. Yeah. Embrace it, our- guys. Bedazzle them. Come yep. on. Have fun. Uh, what about the trend that you wish would stop? Water
2: bottles. I get it. We got. We all have to stay hydrated, but yeah. I, I. like my. I'm drinking my glass Topo Chico now, mm-hmm. but I usually have a
0: Yeti. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time that you failed.
2: This morning, I feel like I was just. I, I had goals to like do all those things I was saying earlier in our conversation. Get up, go for the walk. Don't look at Instagram, don't like
1: mm-hmm.
2: watch the news and I just got sucked into a little vortex before I could pull myself away. And it and it's like you have to shake it off. So yeah. I I didn't keep my good habit going this morning because I was tired and there was compelling news on the TV and
1: it's true. Yeah yeah, you have to shake it off. Like I always use that I always use failing at something as an excuse to just stop doing it and that's not an excuse to stop playing. Right. oh yeah <laughs> you know? it's like reset start yeah. again uh,
2: and and playing guitar and just not being able to get this chord still today it's like cramping my hand and then I just put it down I did that today too so
0: that's one little thing to check off of it that's, I've, I've yeah. been doing the same kind of thing where I found myself feeling really negative because as soon as I woke up, I was checking the news and reading the articles and scrolling through yeah. and I was having severe FOMO because I'm still trying to isolate as much as mm-hmm. possible and I'm seeing people start to like have fun together. And I started mm-hmm. hard stop. I watched The Social Dilemma, if you guys have seen that on Netflix. Oh my
2: gosh. It is so worth a watch I think that's why it's on my brain so much right now being aware mm-hmm. of like I set uh, timers on Instagram now mm-hmm. and you can set them on your phone too just for screen time in general but if I've been on Instagram for a certain amount of time it's like hey gotta get off here
0: it's scary and I don't think I even finished it because I had to stop and like think about it but I started when I wake up I just look and see if there's anything immediately pressing and don't even open it just see the notifications and then I'll turn on I found this playlist of like meditation mu- music on Spotify I turn it on I make my tea I like talk to the universe I'm a California hippie what can I say um like journal if I want to do a little like gratitude journal and stuff like that but it took me a while to be ready to commit to doing that every morning i'd been wanting to do it for months
2: my mom just told me the other day to start a gratitude journal i was like that's such a good idea because i think it's easy to lose perspective of all the good things you have and everyone is sort of saying like oh my gosh this is so terrible this is the worst it is it can get worse yeah so i think not to sound so gloom and doom but it it's there's a lot of good to be appreciated and not taken for granted.
1: Absolutely. And I think
2: writing it down physically and make it pretty and make it make it a ceremony that you tend to every day, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. Okay, so last question. If you could go back in time and visit yourself at any point in your life to give yourself advice, what would you say?
2: I would go back to my self right before I moved to Nashville, I think, and and just remind myself to really have intention in everything that I do, and empower myself as an individual to realize that all the accoutrement that comes with the situation you're in and and the platform that you have or the pedestal that you're given, doesn't really matter, it has to begin and end with you. And I think that I probably just got in a little over my head and I had an investor who was investing in me in the beginning and he is still one of my closest friends but I think I should have just taken the pressure off and down and realize that it's not the only person I'm going to disappoint if I go too fast without the intention is myself at the end of the day. Yeah. I'd probably hang out with her all night and drink with her and just be like, "And also by the way, don't go here and don't do this.
1: Don't date this person." I'd probably just
2: shake her by the shoulders and be like,
0: "Never grow up. Stay here forever. No. Keep your innocence." Truly baptism by fire. Nashville, I hear I had someone reach out the other day with like, oh, hey, my friend's thinking about moving to Nashville. You guys should connect. And I'm like, oh, I always try and infuse some truth with rapted some love of like, You really got to be ready to look your ego in the face and fail a million times and and just have some yeah. a couple mental breakdowns and like be ready for it. Oh, <laughs> More yeah. than a couple.
1: <laughs> I always say like whenever I drive into Nashville like coming down 65 or something and when when you see the city sort of open up in front of you and you see the skyline and I always have this thought like this city has broken my heart so many times and yet I love it. I still love it.
2: I love that. And it's so true. I think that that's why that Eric Pasley song gets me so much where it's like, keep on dreaming, even Mm -hmm. if it breaks your heart. It's so simple. And it's also, you know, we are, we're offering ourselves up. This is mm-hmm. something we're electing to do. But, yeah, I would have given her a strong talking to. It would have been more than that sweet little sentiment I just left you guys with. <laughs> yeah, Listen here. And you don't know anything. I wish I knew as much now as I thought I knew at 19.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm here in Nashville. And all of a sudden, people are just like, yep. sit down. <laughs>
0: uh, well, thank you for spending <laughs> your evening with us and, and sharing your journey. Thank no, you. This is great, Maggie.
1: I feel like we could talk to you all night. So This is so fun. For, I know. I yeah. could definitely hang out as long as you guys
2: wanted to. I love what you're doing. And I appreciate you both. And thanks for
1: having me be a part of it. To stay up to date on all things The Table on social media, Join us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at women.
0: Our theme song, Stop You, is written and performed by yours truly, Sarah DeFors, co-written by Taylor Foley and Will Macbeth, and produced by Will
1: Macbeth. And as always, we'll include links to any creatives, music, television, etc., referenced in this episode in the episode notes.
0: We'll see you next time on the table do what you want work what you got say what you think and don't let him stop you. Stop, you. Stop. stop you don't let stop stop don't, don't let him stop don't don't let us stop don't let him stop you